Hey, what's up, guys? Chris here. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Daily Chris. Um, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope you guys have a great good day. Uh, my day so far has been amazing, man. Um, I just came from a meeting with my partner and we were discussing some stuff and everything was pretty good. Uh, we're trying to make some offers now. We're trying to move into some properties. Uh, but more importantly, today, man, <clears throat> I have the pleasure of meeting up with a new mentor, uh, is what I like to um, call him. Uh, he was basically telling me his life story and how he came to be. Because um, he's actually extremely successful now, and I just have to sit down with him and just have a conversation about everything. Uh, so I think you guys enjoyed this episode, and I hope it brings you um, a lot of value as it did to me. Uh, peace. So, growing up in that kind of environment, you know, was the driven force for me. You know, it kind of like pushed me, and I always wanted better. You know, as right. a as a as a kid, yeah. um, and you're I seen I seen the struggle that my parents went through. Yeah. You know, I seen the struggle that my mom went through to always to try to provide for me, and but at the same time. Uh, I noticed that my mom and my dad never had their hands out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I say hands out, you know, and not criticizing anybody at the yeah. government, but remember, when you come here into the United States, yeah. uh, uh, it's almost like uh, the burden that you have that you don't speak the language, right. you know, and you're going to struggle, you're immigrant, and you're going to have people that dislike you on both sides. Right. So, uh, I came here, my parents kept Haiti when I was uh, uh, about five years old. Right. Not five, I was about four, and I turned five here in the States. And growing up here, um, it was a small Haitian community, not that big. You know, my family was like one of the very first Haitian community um, families that was there. And gradually the, the, the community grew, you know, over time. And then uh, with me being Haitian, you know, I had a very hard time, you know, trying to assimilate with the kids in the neighborhood and stuff like that, being the fact that I spoke a different language, right. you know, we did different things. So everything is weird to me, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So you probably can understand where yeah, I'm coming from. Yeah, because I came here when I was nine years old. Yeah, I was going to understand thing. where I'm coming from, you know? So it took a, a, a long time to be able to fit in. Eventually, I would say probably by the time I was in a fourth grade, fifth grade, that's when I started fitting in, you know? Uh, uh, I had other friends that were Haitian, so we was probably about four or five of us, you know, we went through the same thing. And then eventually, by the time I got, like, in the sixth grade, you know, things changed. Uh, got involved in wrestling. Yeah. And uh, also, I played football. And, and I was pretty decent, you know, yeah. at, at both sports. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, went to high school. Got into a lot of fights. Really? Got into a lot of fights, too. <laughs> through elementary, through middle school. Right. But uh, when I got in high school, it kind of ceased because now, Hold up for a second. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, Hello? Yeah, Adam. I'm doing pretty good. I remember you did mention that to me. I did. I remember you did mention that. So, no, you did not. Is there any way you could text it? Is there any way you could text it to me? To me? Got into a lot of fights. Yeah. Um, and then by the time I got in high school, it kind of like ceased. You know, didn't have any any other problems. You know, because everybody it was almost like I was, you know, part of 
part of the crew. You yeah. know, I had a variety of different friends. Yeah, same. And uh, one thing about me, I um, I tend to gravitate towards you know anybody. You know, I'm very friendly. Exactly, same. Not antisocial and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, I think a lot of that built character over the years for me also. You know, being able to communicate with just about anyone. Right. Um, so while in high school, I uh, played football and I also wrestled. But I also always had a love for computers. And I had a okay. love for computers at a very young age. Right. I would say uh, at the age of about like eight years old, my mom, uh, you know, hey, she's a little too young, my shit eyes. <laughs> You know, so my mom, you know, went to the swap, uh, the flea market right. at the time, you know, and got this uh, system. It was a Texas instrument system that was made back in the 70s. Okay. And, um, if I can't remember the, the processor chipping, that was a T86 or something, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Uh, but however, uh, it was just a basic keyboard and, you know, you had a regular television back in the days, you know, you connected it to the TV and... And it's just basic commands and stuff. Yeah. And I started playing around with that. And I just fell in love with it. And uh, so when I got into like, in, in between the sixth grade, I started, you know, going to the library, getting books on computers and stuff, popular science and just anything with technology. You know? And how, how old were you then? I was probably around about like, maybe about like 10, 11, you know. And I had, I mean, no, at the time when I first got introduced to computers, I was around about, I was probably about seven years old. Okay. Because at that time, 1980s was right when they started introducing computer. 81, 82, they started introducing computers into uh, yeah. into schools and stuff like that. And uh, and I really enjoyed it, you know. And then being the fact that my mom had bought this keyboard for me, where I was able to go in and put basic input. And yeah. at that time, I couldn't really read, so I had a, a friend of mine named Carlos who was a little older than who was Haitian, and he knew how to read, so he would go to the library and get books and stuff okay. like that. Uh, and then we would come and then just go over basic commands where you would put input my name and just little basic commands, you know. Right, right. Uh, it was in the DOS command. If I can, if I can remember, it was DOS three It was not three point but it was uh, one of the very early version of DOS. Yeah. But so I had that passion for computer, and I also had that passion to take things apart. So when I got in, uh, probably like in high school, you know, uh, my ninth grade year, playing football, you know, I was a pretty decent athlete. You know, I wrestled and uh, I played. Uh, JV, well, I played what four games of JV and got yeah. moved up to varsity. Yeah, that's and uh, and uh, and then from there, I took some computer courses while I was there. But being the fact that I was a job, you know, it just didn't seem right. We're talking yeah. about back in the nineties. Yeah, so you know, this is when computers are fairly really being introduced, and then the type of crowd that I hung around with was not really into computers. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, so I just yeah. didn't feel comfortable. Okay. It was that, I don't want to say peer pressure, yeah. because what happened was that majority of the kids that were into computers and stuff were yeah, typically nerds, nerds you yeah. know what I mean? So um, so I didn't really want to get caught hanging yeah. with them or something yeah. like that. But however, you know, I, I stopped taking classes in computers. And then uh, I can re vaguely remember when I was probably about like, uh, probably like seven years old. And I used to watch the show back in the days, Magnum P.I., which I think they still show Magnum P.I. now. You know, you can still watch it, like reruns. Okay. And and there was an episode, it was in California. And um, I don't remember, I think what campus they were on, it was a, a UC Berkeley or something like that. And they were talking about, you know, what was going on or something like that. And then that moment, seeing that, I was like, you know what, man? One day I'm going to go to California. That's where I want to go to school at. 
And uh, like I said, playing football. Huh? I said I got you so bad. Okay. So playing football, you know, kind of like opened the door for me. Yeah. Wrestling, I, I, I kind of like, you know, I didn't quite take it serious. Yeah. But I, I was a little bit much more passionate about football. Okay. So my 10th grade year, I uh, that was right. Uh, my 10th grade year was Hurricane Andrew. Uh, when Hurricane Andrew hit, I ended up going to Homestead Senior High. I switched over to Homestead Senior High. And I was kind of like, I want to say I was kind of like somewhat spoiled <laughs> because I was the only child. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. my ninth grade year, I had a car. Okay, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I mean, I always kept, I had a job when I was, uh, my first job was when I was 14, if I'm not mistaken. Just turning 14. Thanks. Wow. And uh, so uh, I had a car and I decided to go to Homestead because Homestead was at that particular time was where all the females were at. Oh, so you that's, know, okay. That was one of the moves, so. Uh, I decided to go to Homestead, which was for the wrong reason. And uh, eventually, uh, my 11th grade year, I went back. I went back to South Dade. And then I finished out my senior year, played football, and I wrestled. You know, I could have went to state, but I, I took one for the team. You know, I, I wrestled at 189, and I think I weighed like 165. Yeah, I did something like that. And at that time, you know, we had Eric. I don't know if you ever heard of him, but he won state twice. Eric. Yeah. I probably have. Eric Brown. Yeah, yeah. You seen it? You yeah. heard him talk about Eric Brown? Yeah. So Eric Brown, which at that time I could have beat Eric Brown for that, for that. Um, really? Um, yeah, because, you know, I was I was much yeah. younger than him. I was older than him. You know, I was a senior. Eric was like a 10th grader or yeah. something like that. But I chose not to wrestle uh, uh, at that weight class. I could have, because my, my my partner, a friend of mine named Fayon, also was a great wrestler. And he wrestled at 162. I couldn't beat Fayon, but I could have lost the weight to get to 152. But I chose not to. I wrestled at 189. Yeah. The 172, I could have beat the guy at 172, but I didn't because I went because we didn't have a 189. Okay. So it was uh, the kid that wrestled at 172. His name was uh, 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 Brad Ingram. His parents are very, very well off. They got a couple properties. If you go by South Dade. There's a, it's called Ingram Nursery or something like that. You can't miss it. It's right, right when you go, you know where that canal is at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. That's them? That's them okay. right there. And it's a well-known family, you know, okay. and me and Brad go way back, you know, through elementary and stuff. But however, you know, so went off, uh, had an opportunity to go to school, uh, uh, which was in California. Um, and I had other opportunities to go different, to, to different schools, but being the fact that grades was not really one of those things that I primarily focused on. You know, at that time, being a jock was a little bit much more different than what it is now. You know, yeah. things are, I would say in some ways because of technology and then also uh, how sports have, have gotten to the point where how sport has gotten to. There's so much pressure, you know, where you uh, you have coaches, you have uh, parents, you have uh, former friends that, that, that left uh, uh, pushing you and saying, you know what, you have this opportunity, you need to start working towards your SAT or right. your... Uh, or uh, or um, your uh, is your SAT and your uh, uh, what's the other one? Your uh, ACT, ACT, ACT. So at that current time, that was like the last thing that was on my mind. You know what I mean? So I ended up going to a JUCO up in uh, California, which, like I told you, California was just you one of the things that I wanted to yeah. always go to. So I ever went to school there. When I got there, you know, uh, uh, getting to a community that was totally different. You know, um, that was 
not as diverse as here. It was a culture shock for me. Yeah. You know, you're up in Northern California, which yeah. is straight white people, which is predominantly white, but a lot of hippies, a lot of hippies, a lot, a lot of hippies. Uh, you have your small populations of of Hispanic and uh, majority, like I said, like you say, white, but a lot of hippies, but yeah. very friendly. You know, uh, first uh, two months, it was a culture shock for me. You know, it was very hard for me to adapt. And my roommates, what's crazy is that my roommates were actually Haitian. My two roommates. That's crazy. It's crazy, yeah. That's okay. My two roommates originally were from uh, Coconut Creek. They were two twins. Didn't oh, so look they were from here? Yeah, they were from oh, Coconut Creek. That's up, cool. uh, up towards Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, up, yeah, yeah. Up Fort Lauderdale. yeah. And uh, uh, it was Ricky and Rocky. And then eventually we ended up having another guy that came from New York. Uh, he was, uh, his name was Keith. Keith played at Pittsburgh, but Keith... Uh, for some particular reason, had got into trouble and stuff yeah. like that. So he ended up coming in to, they recruited him to, to JUCO. But- How'd you get into business though? Like, well, the way I got into business, you know, I mean, it started off that path right there, you know, going to, going to uh, uh, Redwood, I ended up meeting Ajani's mom. Yeah. And uh, while I was there, you know, I got into computers while everybody else was doing PE majors and stuff like yeah. that. And then, uh, I uh, eventually the next following year I didn't I didn't want to come back because I just didn't like the environment I didn't like the place okay. and then I had a friend of mine a uh, very good friend of mine that was going to Merced which was a couple other uh, uh, guys that were from Florida that was down there so I decided to transfer to Merced transferred there and when I got there you know uh, I uh, actually tried out for the football team you know and made the squad and stuff like that yeah. and then eventually uh i stuck with computers you know and uh from there thanks Josh. from thanks from uh from there you know i uh started working i had a variety of different jobs man you know the struggle's real you know when you're in college yeah yeah very hard for you to find food at times you know what I mean? so especially if you're I was just up there huh okay. i was just in college up there so if you don't come from your families are yeah, well off, you know you. I understand. didn't bother calling my parents for money because I know like they have money. You know, so right. I so, got a job out there and I was working. Same here, man. So I started working doing odd jobs, and then I just realized, you know, this was not for me. You know, I did everything that you could think of, man, from scooping up uh, uh, manure, cow manure, and horse manure. You know, for this one company, uh, worked as a security guard. Did everything, man, and then uh, finally, like, what, what paid was, off was, was school not for you. Working wasn't for you. Huh? Which one wasn't for you? School. I mean, school. Like, school was for me, but at the time, I, I mean, I had bills. You know what I mean? And uh, it wasn't paying, right? It wasn't paying. You know what I mean? So, so what I ended up doing, you know, being the fact that I was into computers, because my major was computer science, so I decided to, uh, I started interning. With H with HP at the time, not HP, uh, Packard Bell. Okay. Packard Bell was a company that sold computers back in the days, really cheap computers. Started started working with them, and then I switched from them to HP. I started selling printers, and then uh, I ended up getting a job at Circuit City. And I think working at Circuit City kind of like really allowed me to. I mean, it allowed to me to to not be at not be afraid of, of, of people, you know. 
And when I say not be afraid of people, because I, I was one of those type of individuals that was never anti-social, you know, but very friendly, but being able to persuade someone into buying something, especially into technology, something yeah. brand new, I think that kind of like built my confidence, you know, uh, in a direction that I wanted to go into, you know, far as business right. in, in the near future. So, um, were you like 19 at the time? I was around about, yeah, about 19. About, no, 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 no. I was about 20, 21. So, I was selling computers, doing pretty well with it. And then me and her mom got back together. Oh, so you broke up? Yeah, we were broke up. And then we got back together. And then finally, you know, I was still working there. And about like three years later, she was born. And... And I just made a conscious decision. I said, you know what? I want to move back to Florida. And she wasn't crazy about it, but I was like, yeah, let's go. So I moved back to Florida. And then uh, I transferred my job to Circuit City. I was still working there. But I realized the way technology was going that I needed to get advance my, uh, get more credentials and stuff like that. My knowledge, advance my knowledge and stuff like that. So I decided to go into Cisco. Because I had a friend of mine that was always pushing me into it. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who wants me to go to Cisco right now. Yeah. Like, he's in San Francisco. And like, he's telling me, go to college and get that computer science degree. And, um, right. And do you MCSE or... Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I'm not really into that, though. You're not really into uh, it? Yeah. It'd be cool, but... Yeah. Just... So, I went down that path in, uh, in uh, around 2002, I got certified... I got my CCNA. I was like one of the only ones that had my CCNA here in the Homestead area. Within a 30 mile radius, I was one of the only ones that had the certification. So eventually, it was the very first academy that mine did, had presented. So I quit Circuit City and then I started freelancing, working for companies and stuff. And then I realized, you know, I got to a point, I think what really struck me is when I, I had that first contract we were doing at Ocean Reef. I was working at Ocean Reef. I did uh, laying out fiber over there and uh, setting up switches and stuff like that. And what hit me while I was there was the amount of wealth that I seen there. So, and I was like, man, you know what? And these people have a lot of money. There's a lot of money out there. What is it going to take for me to get to that point? Yeah, yeah. So I think that was one of the drive for me. Not that I wanted to be wealthy, but I just wanted to be able to, you know, dictate yeah. my own destiny, right. you know. Uh, uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, you stay grounded, yeah. you know, and also having a daughter, uh, which I became a single parent at the time, you know, uh, when, uh, when I was doing that, when I was freelancing. And I met my wife probably like, met her like which I had already knew my wife but we met and we were very good friends just very close friends and uh, around 2003 2004 between 2004 you know our friendship just eventually started growing you know from being a friend to a bit much more serious but still I still had that drive that I wanted to do something to create something to do something for myself and I during that period, I was working at, uh, I had got a job at uh, Job Corps as an instructor, teaching computers. And and I don't know if you're familiar with Job Corps. Job Corps is a 
it's a vocational program that's funded through the government from the Department of Labor where you have individuals that come from all sorts of backgrounds, you know. Uh, it could be you have students that come from college, you have some of them that, that uh, come from broken home. Okay. And uh, it's just a, a, it's a vocational school where you can get a trade. Oh, you teach them skills? Yeah, you teach them a skill to prepare them. Uh, they work towards their high school diploma. You have a variety of different programs there, from nursing to to carpentry to HVAC, all sorts of stuff. And like for my trade, it's computers, so I taught computers there. And I taught computers there for about like 10 years. Throughout that 10 years, you know, I've always kept a side business. I had a computer repair store, okay? And and my computer repair store was called Tech Squad. Tech Squad. Tech Squad. Tech Squad. Yeah. So, it's so funny because I see another text squad that was on Money Link. Right? No, it's not text squad. It's called something else. Computers repair. Yeah, but it was called text squad before Geek Squad came out. Before the word Geek Squad. So, however, started that, but I kept the job. But I had a passion for teaching because it's in the fact that here I was filling these young individuals with knowledge, preparing them to be able to be a successful individual, you know, in society, productive, and uh, throughout that time, like I said, I always kept the side hustle, I always had something, had the business, but it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't work out for me, you know, at the computer, uh, uh, when I had the computer repair store, the reason why it didn't work out for me, because I just... I just didn't feel comfortable, you know, charging people the type of money, really? you know, for the service. Really? When, yeah, I just didn't feel comfortable because, I, mean, I think because of the fact that I was doing it and I was so passionate about it, it was not even about the money. Okay. So, I would, back then I would do a system when typically they should be charging 200 bucks. I was charging like $7 and I wasn't paying the bill, you know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, eventually... I had to close up shop because it was a pain to build. And I decided to go into the person. I decided to go into something else. So I got into Yeah. So I got into something else. I started doing uh, staffing. Okay. Um, staffing, uh, not hotels, but basically uh, bringing people from overseas. Okay. To work on the, the guest work visas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Something about that. Yeah. So we bring people here to work under the guest work visas, and this was between 2006, 2007. So I that's was still the working. You were doing now? Yeah, that's what I was doing. So started doing a lot of traveling. Okay. So what is from, that like? You, you just bring people over so they work. It's a process. Okay. What happened is that I realized. That the service industry had a demand, and that demand was for quality individuals, people who are reliable, that was gonna come to work on time, yeah. and not give you no issue. You know what I mean? And does a good job, yeah. you know, in what they do. And what we lack here in Miami-Dade County is that, yeah. because what's happening is that a lot of the baby boomers that were doing that kind of stuff, they started retiring. Not just that job in general, but anything that had to do with the service industry. Okay. So, and typically, you know, you have younger people that usually do it, but the problem is that sometimes they're not reliable. Right. Yeah. You know, when you have somebody who has bills, they have responsibility. Yeah, they're they're, they're going to they have to. 
And typically you find people who don't have either a college degree or or some, some form of education that usually typically do it. You know what I mean? A lot of your migrant workers usually typically yeah. go into that yeah. area. So I realized there was a shortage, so I decided to be the middleman. Okay. I realized that one, you have patient people who are very good workers, very reliable, they're gonna come to work on time and you know, uh, do what needs to be done, you know? So I realized, well, why don't I look into a union staffing company? I negotiate the price. As long as the price is fair, you know, I'm paying whatever the minimum wage is and, and I can make a, a few bucks. So that's what brought, that, that was one of the reasons why I got into it. Because I would always constantly have to uh, fill out applications for, the, for some of the friends and stuff with their parents. Some of my friends' parents or or maybe somebody that I knew, you know, they have to go to this interview and they don't feel comfortable about it. And I was like, you know what, maybe I need to look into that. So I got into the staffing part on a larger scale. I had a friend of mine, uh, one of the pastors, he had informed me that his brother was in uh, Maryland and there's a chicken plant down there and then you all doing peak season they need people and they can't find it so so you brought some people in so i started researching on how can i bring people into the united states to fill these jobs on a visa but at the same time not only dealing with the big industries such as purdue tyson the chicken plants and stuff like that i decided to look in the farming industry also I was doing both of them at the same time. So we managed to bring a group of people to come here to work, uh, to pick tomatoes and stuff like that. It was tomatoes and uh, green beans. And I realized that it worked. So I was like, you know what? I need to stick with it. So finally, I started going around looking for contracts. Driving out of state. Now mind you, I still have a job. So I would take a couple days. Yeah, I was still yeah. teaching. So I would take a couple days off from work, use some of my vacation time, and travel. You know, go up to Alabama, go to Mississippi, go to seeing what needs people. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. And trying to find contracts, trying to find, trying to find a way to 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 persuade these people to you know to trust me. You know, telling this company, going to a company, telling the company that you gonna bring them 40 people that are gonna be reliable. They're like, okay, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not possible. You go into these little small towns, population of like 5,000 people, and yeah. here they have a huge company, a multi-million dollar company. And they need people? And they need people, and they can't find anybody. So, I managed to persuade uh, Mountaineer, Purdue, and uh, this one chicken plant, this catfish plant in Mississippi. So I had a total of like 200 visas. Damn, 200 people? And how'd you call all those people? How'd you get to those people? How'd you, well, yeah. how'd you get all those people? Because what happened, remember I told you I had a friend of mine who had put me on, he was part of the company also. And a lot of the people that were coming from Haiti, so the recruiting was being done in Haiti. I didn't handle the recruiting in Haiti. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. All the recruiting was done in Haiti. Yeah. But what eventually ended up happening, you know, not really knowing, not being business savvy, we had an attorney that represented the company. And then let alone, we had people that invested their money. 
which the way we did it was was totally wrong. You know what I mean? Okay. What happened was that we had when you're doing the, the when you're doing the visa pro, visa process like doing the visa applying for visa you're not allowed to to have the people pay for anything especially if they're coming from Haiti you know what I mean so you had they were paying for everything so you had people paying and then that and then but beside that the company had been, we had already established ourselves where we had a contract with Miami-Dade County, all the recycling bins. When, the, when they first started rolling out recycling bins, the green bins that you have for the trash, we were one of the very first ones to have the contract. I had like about 150 people working. And this is like 2007. So, uh, 2008, the economy collapsed. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I heard, I heard so that. when the economy collapsed, you know the, the business. Like, you had the mortgage crisis. Yeah. Financial. You had all these banks, a lot of foreclosures and stuff like that. A lot of big companies that went around for over 20, 30 years. It just went out of business. It went out of business. Collapsed. We had big banks. You know. We had banks such as Chase, Wells Fargo. Before Chase, you had a. Uh, 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 what is it again? Uh, oh. Bank of America? Not Bank of America. Oh my gosh. There comes it. That's a bank. There was a whole bunch of banks that just flopped. So, because of that, uh, before President uh, Bush was going out of office, this is Bush Jr., and Obama was coming in, he, uh, there was a, he basically stopped all the visas and stuff. Any individuals that were coming into the United States to work under the H2B, H2, H2A, or any guest work visas weren't allowed to come into the state. Oh, so why were your business? Like, did she, like... No, he had to do that, because remember, there was a crisis here in the United States, you know what I mean? So, you had, so, with that crisis, why would you bring people from overseas, you know, to come here and work? You know what I mean? When you need, when you people need jobs. So those two hundred visas were all rejected. Had already had the attorney getting ready to fly to Haiti. Had a team in Haiti getting ready to have everybody trained, go through a process, and things just went berserk, man. You know, uh, and mind you, you had to do that investor money, and then plus I had. Uh, already paid the attorney about like eighty some thousand dollars, and uh, wow, I, I kind of remember that when you was running that business, were you working at Money Link running it? I was working at Money Link and at the other office where Alpha is at right now. I remember like people always coming in and out, yeah. like But the business crashed though, like back then. Mm-hmm. What happened was now I had. Give me a second. Hello? Supposedly there's supposed to be another economic crash. My business is starting out. Not right now. So I mean, not right now. Like, right now wouldn't be a good time for me to talk. I mean, but uh, if, if, if it's possible, if you can find me about an hour. And which company is this? Uh, yeah, I don't think you know. 
Yeah, I'm familiar with the government marketplace. Two years ago, where'd you meet him? Hello? Right. In a YouTube conversation. Yeah. I we know. met his business partner on one on one YouTube conversation. Yes. And oh, he no. ended up being from Palmetto. Yeah. <laughs> from Palmetto here? Yeah. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It was so crazy. He's, he's amazing, bro. Like, he's doing, like, teaching me, like, so many things. What does he do? Uh, same business, like, uh, like uh, real estate. Real estate? Yeah. yeah. Like, the system he has in place is, like, he has an Excel sheet and he has everything in place, like so organized. Like, is he a broker? I'm not a broker, but he's a, a real estate agent. No, no, no. no. He he's doesn't not? have a license. No, he's just like investing. He's just investing. Yeah. He buys and flips. Yeah, yeah. So like, we have a team together right now, mm -hmm. while we focus on like, like purchasing like a broken down property mm -hmm. and then fixing it and putting it in the market. And turn around and sell it. Yeah, yeah. So when that happened, I was like, man, mind you, had all these people that pay their money. And you know when it comes to Haitian, that's one thing you don't want. Yeah, you don't yeah, want to yeah. play with their money. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna get all kind of threats. You're gonna be like, they're gonna put that woo on you, all <laughs> kind of stuff. So you so had 200 people like you had at his on, door. No, nah, not at my door, but these people were in Haiti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calling your So eventually, um, I've always been a man of my word. You know, whenever I say that's my, my word is bond. You know what I mean? It's sealed. I'm straight old fashioned. So. We had to figure out how we had to pay all these people back. Yeah. Mind you, we had that contract that we had with Miami Dade County. We hadn't gotten paid. So I had to go through a battle with them. And finally we got paid. We got like about 90-some thousand dollars. I got that 90,000 dollars. I started paying people money back. Yeah. Everybody that invested their money and stuff. And let me tell you, man, I could say that throughout that year, between 2008-2011, probably would have been one of the most darkest times for me. You know what I mean? It was a... My family didn't really notice it. My wife didn't notice it. I didn't put that pressure, you know what I'm saying? But I was out there hustling, you know, because I had to pay all these people. I had to pay all these people back. And you figure, as a teacher, you don't make that much, that much money. So that means I started hustling more, fixing more computers, fixing computers, uh, going to companies that that have issues with their servers and stuff like that. You know, going to doctor's offices and going to accounting, going to attorneys, have a problem with their system, they need a new server, whatever it may be, I was there to set it up. And how long were you doing that for? I did that for about a period of about like two and a half years, man, doing business transactions, selling computers in Haiti. I was doing everything, man, because now I had to try to pay all these people the money back. Got into Sol, you know what Sol is. Yeah, 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 my dad talks about it. Yeah. I'm not really into it. But. Yeah, so got into Sol, you know, to come up with the funds. And uh, I had, I can tell you, man, I have one aunt, man, that came through for me, bro. When I say came through for me, she's seen a struggle. And this was the same aunt that when I decided to, me and my daughter at the time, when we, she was a little baby. And uh, uh, we moved at her house. And let me tell you, she came through for me, man. She just went to the bank and she understood my situation. Went to the bank, took out like $10,000 a day. You know, gave me $10,000. That's amazing. And uh, she gave me that $10,000. I got to pay it back. And uh, I started paying started paying people off. And mind you, all the other little money. And, and honestly, I had other partners. They didn't really, they weren't really involved in paying back. You know what I mean? It was like... It was like charging to the game, yeah. but me and another partner, you know, we we managed to pay everybody yeah. back. And, that lawyer, and I think that, that lawyer was just like, huh? The lawyer you paid that money, he just got. And he took the money, man. He stole the money. Yeah. 
So, my pillow bag. Yeah. At the where? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need my ID? Yeah, I send, I send it to you. So, this guy right here I'm talking to on the phone right now. <laughs> so many calls. The guy that just called. Is that what it's like? Like, like Bro, I used to carry two phones. That's, that's how <laughs> it is. Yeah, he used to have two phones. All right, I had to what? cut down. So, eventually, man, like I said, in 2011, man, between that 2010, 2011, it was a very dark moment for me, man. It, when I say dark, like it was very, it was one of those struggling moments. And the guy just got off the phone right now. He's one of my business partners. And he came through at a moment where things was just in dire need, man. Him and his wife had got a program uh, that was through the state. It was a tutoring program that they started. It started under Jeff, but uh, uh, Jeff Bush um, when he was the governor. And uh, it was one of those Title One kind of programs and stuff like that. So they started a tutoring program, and they didn't have nobody here in Homestead, so they hired me to run the Homestead region, to hire all the teachers and stuff like that, and to find the facilities for the tutoring for kids, yeah. find kids. Let me tell you, honestly, them by them putting that program, it helped me out a lot, man, because I was able to make some money from yeah. that to be able to pay these people yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And I think what happened was that in that process of paying people off, you know, people had a greater, more, uh, much more respect, respect. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And say, this man is... Yeah, you kept your words. Kept like my word, yeah. you know what I mean? So, uh, eventually, you know, I was still teaching, you know, trying to make ends meet, not allowing it. And I also thank God for my wife. You know, my wife was very supportive. Even though she knew I was going through that problem, she was always supportive, you know. She didn't put that pressure on me, you know. And that's one thing I can say, you know, about my wife. She's not that type of woman that, that, because some women, you know, they put that pressure on me, you know what I mean? So I didn't have that pressure. And, um, and then eventually, um, I managed to pay everybody back, and, and then in 2011, uh, I was I was always involved in so many things. Man. I was involved with a, a, a ministry down in Haiti, God of Compassion Ministry. I had been involved in it since 04, 05, no 06, 06, and was never never went to Haiti on a mission trip, but was always involved. You know, like. When it comes to donations and stuff like that, yeah, doing yeah. fundraise, and then you had the hurricane—I mean, not hurricane, but you had the earthquake that yeah. strike. You had a hurricane before that that had strike, uh, and uh, and I remember fundraising for that. You know, getting people to donate, and then the hurricane. And then you had the earthquake in 2010, and uh, a lot of fundraise. Still working at the school, uh, still coming up on trying to come up with money to pay the people that I had owed. Uh, and you then must, uh, you must have owed a lot of money, man. man. It was a lot of money I was owed, man. If you had ninety thousand dollars, it still took you two, three years to pay it back. Man. Not just me by myself, man. Uh, yeah. We had uh, an attorney that was involved. You had uh, one guy when he got an attorney, yeah. and he was a representative for all those people. We had like roughly sixty some thousand dollars to pay back. And honestly, man, it the more and more I started realizing we were in a situation that it was really, really bad. Yeah. So. Uh, we managed to pay all that money back. I mean, me by myself, I paid out. I paid out about $65,000. And my other partner, she probably she paid probably about 60 something also. 
So, uh, now you would think, you know, after having that experience, yeah, you know, like, just like man, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm done, you know, but I just had that ambition, you yeah. know what I mean? That drive, that, you know, like not giving up, you know, I want it better. And I went to Haiti in 2011 and uh, on a mission trip because they was like, man, you've been part of the organization and you've never been on a mission <laughs> yeah, trip. And here you are, you know, doing all the fundraise, you know, getting money from people, having people leaving in, 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 uh, in the cause, but you're not going there to go see. Yeah, yeah. So finally, I made the decision to go, but at the same time, doing my job, I was looking at Job Corps, it was going through a transition where another company had got awarded the contract. So, okay. when they got awarded the contract, I, um, I was like, okay, no problem. I'm going on this mission, and when I come back, I just apply for the job. But, but two days before I was about to leave, they said they needed all my credentials. So I started looking for my credentials, couldn't find it. So mind you, I was living at my, I had been living in my aunt house okay. back in 2000. Um, Wait, so before you moved in with your aunt, were you like living by yourself? Yeah, I was living by, we had our own, I had my own place. But okay, before, yeah. be, but, but that time with my aunt was about, around 2000, 2004, no, 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 2003, 2003, and going into 2004, because 2005 I moved out and yeah. had our, we had our own place, I, mean, I, I had like a three-bedroom apartment. And what happened was, it, I, I started remembering that I had all my credentials in this folder, and my cousin, Tisha, had threw everything away. So my certifications, everything got tossed. So, and I had copies, but they didn't want the copies. They wanted the, yeah, original, yeah, yeah, yeah. the original. So, I was like, man, so I tried to call to school, but I had only two days. So it's like, listen, you need to get your, your credentials. You need to get your certifications and all that stuff. So my Cisco certification, I knew that I'd be able to get that. But at the time, I had my A plus and N plus. And what happened was when I got certified, I got certified with my A plus back in the 90s. And te the tests that you took back then was, uh, 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 they were not the Scantron. They were the, they were not, it was not online. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, a regular, paper, right? On yeah, paper and stuff like that. And then, you know, you got a certificate, you were certified. And that was extremely difficult to get. I couldn't even remember the company that I had took the test from. So... I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was through CompTIA. I tried to call CompTIA, and then they said, you know what, we can get you something, you know, but uh, it ain't gonna be the original. We can just say, send your paper, say that you are certified. So they sent it to me, and uh, they they had faxed it to me. So I got it, and I took it to them. They said that was not sufficient. They wouldn't take it. So I had to go take the test. Okay. I had to go take the test on a, on a Sunday. Thank God the place was open on a Sunday. And mind you, on a Monday, I was heading flying out to go to Haiti on a mission trip. Um, I uh, went in there, took the test. I took the A plus, the M plus, both of them that same day, passed it. And uh, the next day I flew to Haiti. And you got my, certified? You yeah, got I got the certification and stuff. And I turned it in and went to Haiti. So now job is somewhat secure. But I really, at the point at that time, I really didn't care because what happened was that I started losing the passion for the job. I really enjoyed, like I said, working. Uh, uh, at the school and helping young people, and I had countless of students, man. That throughout the the eight years, no, no, the nine years that I was there, that that were very successful. You know, I had some that had their own business, oh, yeah. had some of them that was working for corporate America, had some of them that were um, um, the head of IT department, 
uh, I mean, countless. I had one that was a, a CIA agent. I had one of them that was a, a, a programmer for for uh, Lockheed Martin. So I had a whole bunch of them, man. And you that stayed in very good. contact with them? Yeah, I stayed in contact with all my kids, all my former students. Yeah. And one thing about me is that I was a little bit much more different. I was a little bit much more rapid because what happened was that when I started teaching, I realized that not everybody, when it comes to the theory part, not everybody's gonna get it. You're gonna have some students that are more hands-on and you're gonna have some that are book, more book smart. They can take a book and read and go take a test and pass it. But at the end of the day, you send them out to the work uh, to, to, to go do a job, they're not capable of doing because they don't have the skills as far as the hands-on experience. So that was one thing that I did not make that mistake when I, when I was a teacher. I started off with the hands-on and I went into theory. So I made it more hands-on and, and some theory. And eventually they started catching on. And then being the fact that I came from the field, I understood what was needed out there. Because at the end of the day, uh, a, a company could care less you got an A plus or an N plus. They just want to know if my server is down, can you, can, you, can you fix it? You know what I'm saying? That's all people want to know. That's what they're going to pay you for. You know, so, and I realized that was the, the need. So, and then also, I was also into Cisco. I was also into Cisco, I was uh, uh, into Linux. I was into, uh, heavily into Linux, into Unix. Um, so what I did, when I taught my class, my class was, because we were part of the Microsoft Alliance, so a lot of the uh, credentials, I mean, uh, curriculums that we had were all towards Microsoft, you know? So you were teaching uh, Windows XP, uh, Server 2000, you know, uh, uh, anything that was Microsoft related. So what I did, I didn't just teach that. I also taught them Linux while they were there. So when my students came out, they were more yeah, well-rounded. Like well yeah. Exactly. So they would be able to go into the field and be able to do certain yeah, things yeah. that someone else was not even capable of doing. Yeah. And then I was also pushing them for advanced training. And advanced training was a program that was done through job where they partnered up with companies such as Sun Microsystem, where they were doing the Unix, the Unix uh, certifications. So, mind you, I had already started teaching uh, my students how to, uh, how to uh, uh, navigate, how to operate, knew, knew some of the commands in Unix and stuff. So they knew some of the basic commands and so on. And we set up some Unix servers and stuff, some Solaris systems in, 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 uh, in the classroom. And and I was like one, one of those really wild instructors, man. Yeah. I mean, when I say wild, fun, and I made it fun, man. I had servers, I had like four or five servers in the classroom. And I would, on Friday, I would let them play games. I would close, lock the door. <laughs> and at that time, they would play Half-Life or Counter-Strike. You know, so they, they loved it. You know what I mean? I made it fun for them, you know? And then I would take them out to the movies, you know? When That's I was, cool. Stuff you ain't supposed to do, yeah, but yeah. I did that. You know, I broke all the rules. You know, <laughs> I would take them whenever doing, let's say, for example, I had like 10 or 14 of them. Uh, every every uh, 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 three months, I would have like 10 or 15 students that that's ready to go take their certification. Once they take their certification, they pass it, you know. And all uh, your kids were passing it? I would say out of, if I took 15, about four, 13 was passing it. That's amazing. Yeah. That's crazy. They would pass it, and then we will go to the movies, yeah. and we will go have uh, lunch and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so you had a relationship with Yeah, so I had a relationship with That's them, why you know, over the time. So, so what ended up happening, uh, back to 2011, I went to Haiti, and let me tell you, man, when I was in Haiti, it hit me. Uh, for, for like three days, man, I, I literally was so emotional, man, like tears, like just crying because I just seen the poverty level. And the only thing I can see, I was actually seeing myself as these young kids that were running around the street. I'm like, damn, this could have been me, man. You know, the opportunity that I have 
you know, I cannot waste it. You know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm in a land of opportunity. You know, I need to be grateful. Wait, so was you that know, your first time going back to Haiti? That was my first. No, no, no. I had went to Haiti in eighty in eighty nine. I was about like uh, what 11, 11 I think. Okay. About eleven years old. Not eighty nine, eighty seven. I went to Haiti. I was about eleven. If I'm not mistaken. So that was my first time going. Yeah, but you still had a different then, mindset. Yeah, I had. I was a kid. You know yeah, what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I went there. You know, met some of my cousins. Was yeah, fun yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But at at that time, at, at 30, roughly, I was about 38, 38? Yeah. No, I was 30, 36, I think, I was 30. I'm 43 right now, so 2011, I would have been what? I was like seven years ago. Yeah, like seven years ago. Like, yeah, so I'd have been like 36. 32? 32? February? 35. Yeah, 35. Yeah, 35. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, it just, I was just shocked in the level of poverty, you know what I mean? I was hearing it and stuff like that, but actually seeing it and being around it, and for two weeks, man, I was so emotional, man. Yeah. And then uh, I can remember staying at my friend's house, you know, a, a, a childhood friend. We moved back to Haiti after the earthquake. He did pretty well. Started his company. And I lived at his house, man. I mean, like, really uh, uh, luxury. Really nice house with the maid. Yeah. And, you know, early in the morning, at 5 in the morning, my food is ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I got somebody standing there right there, you know, Waiting for my command, you know, yeah. tell what I want, and I just felt very uncomfortable because you know, I, you know, you don't, you don't grow up with that kind of yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? So, and then I spent three days there at his house, and then I spent the remaining days in the mountains in the, you know, where the ministry was at, and and I fell in love with the mountains. You know, being a, being able to get up early in the yeah, morning, smelling, you know, that that clean air and drinking coffee, nothing, everything organic, you know, natural, yeah. eating the chicken, you can really just <laughs> taste the, the natural flavor you know from the chicken and the, the beans and everything and let me tell you man I can remember uh, one morning I got up and I just prayed it I was like Lord you know what Lord I don't want to be rich you know I just want to be successful but in order to be successful you have to be rich in some way oh, yeah. so it's almost like a yeah. <laughs> one of those so I was like I was like man you know because I want to be able well, to you help want more. You want more. right I want to be able to help and I want to be able to dictate where my money go at. There's a lot of time, you know, when people say that they want to help, they want to start a, a nonprofit organization, they put their money into it, but they're not really seeing anything, you know, as far as any growth or anything like that. You know, you have people that are abusing it. You know, they're taking the money and they're doing their own thing. So I was like, you know what, if I'm ever in a position where I can uh, be able to dictate what I want, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to go into Haiti and do this kind of stuff. So, um, like you said, like you were seeing the kids running around. Yeah, just seeing like, the kids running around all over the like, place. You were like in a better place that you could, exactly. you could do a better place. So, after that, you know, I came back home. And when I got back home, I started work, got back, started working. And out of the blue, one of my former students called me, Carlos. He's like, hey, Mr. Pierre, how you doing? And... I always get calls from my students always telling me, you know, that I need to leave there. But like I told you, I was passionate about it. Yeah. But over time, what started happening, the, the, the program started changing. It was not about a successful program. It was more about numbers now. Because now it started, you have corporations that are getting these contracts. And all they're concerned about is, is pleasing the, 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 the stockholders and stuff like that. So... Now they were pushing kids out that were that weren't really ready to be out. You know what I mean? As far as their their skill wise, you know, instead of 
lasting the two years or a year. And I was push the kid out, getting the kid to get their high school diploma, do this one thing that they had called uh, Penn Foster or something like that. Okay. You go online and get their uh, GED, and then um, they try to push the, yeah, persuade the teachers yeah. to push the student through the program. And then instead of taking a year or eight months for the student to finish the program, they were asking me to finish the kids in like four months, three months. So I just didn't feel comfortable yeah, about that. Right. You know, it was just not right. So I started, that, that drive for it, that passion that I had about the whole program, started losing it. It was not the kids, but the program itself, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So I would always get students calling me, Mr. Pierre, you know they hired at my job, you know, I can get you in. But I never, you know, I was like, no, I'm cool. You know, I really like what I'm doing and stuff like that. And uh, so finally, Carlos called me in 2011 and said that they were hired. I was like, oh, for real? I was like, you know what? Uh, okay, check, check it out. At the time, he was working at NBC, Channel 6. So... I put my application in, and then about a few, about two weeks later, they called me in for an interview. I go to the interview, and I meet with uh, my boss at the time, uh, who's my boss, was my boss before I left Jaime. So me and Jaime started talking, and then there was another uh, 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 supervisor that was there. So I met with them too, and we had a conversation. And about, they told me in a week, they'll, they'll let me know. A week later, I get another interview. So I meet with uh, the guy that's over the engineering department, Terry. So I sit down with Terry, we started talking, he's like, listen man, he's like, you know, I don't even want to waste your time, but honestly, I'm going to tell you, if you were Carlos' instructor, and and uh, I don't even want to waste no time with you, let me just walk you through, let me just walk you through the station, introduce you to everybody. So he walked me through, introduced me to everybody in the station. And uh, So I guess there, Carlos was killing it out there. Yeah, Carlos was doing his thing. So he introduced me to, to everybody in the station, and then within a month later, I got hired. So you mind you, you know, going from a teacher's salary of forty, forty-two thousand dollars a year to a job where you go from forty-two to like seventy-six, you know, so that's a huge difference. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a big, big difference. That was a big difference. That was a big jump. So and full benefit, stock options, you know, four hundred one k, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which I had insurance and stuff like that, but I had 401k, but it was nothing like what NBC was offering. So I went ahead and gave him a two weeks notice, and I left. You know, started working there. Started working with uh, it was three of us in the IT department, and uh, and uh, I just did my thing. You know, I grind. Uh, came to work. I worked them almost what seven days a week. You can say just about. Right. And they allowed hours, me to how do. How many hours in a day? I was working eight-hour shifts. You know, okay. sometimes I literally stayed out there. But at the same time, mind you, I was working there. I, I, I stayed on a, on a side, you know, creating stuff, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. doing things. The charity you know? stuff. And the... I was involved with the charity stuff, and then also trying to get my company right. up and running. Oh, you mean the same company we bring? Yeah, no. But I started uh, I, that same company, company. I started a new company. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, I started a new company. In uh, 2013, I started a new company, which is Reaching Solution, and uh, I had a great, very good friend of mine that was the he ran the, the he ran the housekeeping department at Chicolage, and he called me one day and said, "Man, you know I'm looking for people." I was like, "You know what? I got this, man." And mind you, when I started my company was. I started my company as a, uh, uh, a staffing agency for Home Health Aid. And, and the reason why I went into Home Health Aid is because I started realizing how things were changing. 
not only the service industry, but you also had a lot of baby boomers that were retiring. You have a lot of people that come to Florida to retire. So that means that they need assistance. They need home health companionship. They need maid and stuff like that. So that's what I basically started the company off. And we started the company. But um, I mean, what about the president, like with the visa thing? Remember all that stuff? Remember, I, I got denied. You remember, yeah, I told yeah, you had to yeah. pay everybody's money yeah, back exactly. and stuff like that. So, so I decided to, I didn't focus on that anymore, you know. So I started focusing on more people who were here. Everyone back in yeah. that. Yeah, I left that alone. You know, I didn't want to get involved in that yeah, because yeah. it's a tremendously bad experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But it was good. I mean, it was a bad, good time. A lesson learned. A lesson learned. Exactly. So, I uh, um, started a company, you know. With the in the health field and we got certified through ACA and all that kind of stuff but I couldn't get any contracts the reason why I didn't have my Medicaid provider number or Medicaid so in order for me to provide the service I need to be able to bill Medicaid so I didn't have that so my friend at Chicola told me well you know he needed some he needed uh, um, staff you know he needed people that would come to work and which Chicola is really known for being able to find good staff but at that time they were going through a transition and um, they were using a, a staffing agency, but that staffing agency couldn't provide them the necessary people that they needed. So he called me up and he was like, can you do that? I was like, of course I can do that. Yeah. So I started going around town, you know, letting people know that, you know, that uh, they need uh, work, that I can help them. Yeah. So I started off, and then I called a couple of friends of mine. I called like two friends. And I said, listen, man, I'm about to start this thing, man. And uh, are you interested? You know, it doesn't cost that much money. All I need is about like $3,000 for you to invest. Yeah. And they were like, oh, how much money you're getting? You know, I was like, well, you figure I have to pay the employees $8 an hour, and they're giving me like 13 So out of after I pay tax and everything, I'm left with about like a dollar, a dollar fifty. It's like a dollar for each employee. So a dollar fifty, it's like a dollar fifty. I'm like, that ain't no money. I was like, what do you mean that ain't no money? They're like, that ain't no money. They're like, we cool. I was like, okay, no problem. Nobody wanted to invest. Nobody wanted that. So I called my aunt up. I was like, listen, uh, you know, I need some money. I need to borrow some money. I'm about to got this contract with you, Collage. And um, I need to be able to pay my payroll and everything. And I need to borrow some money. And uh, she's like, okay. I mean, that's one thing about her, she man. Came she came through again. She, let me tell you, she's it's like one of those uh, that, you know how you have a nephew that you just know that you believe in them. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's just one person that always believed in me. You know what I mean? So... She just, uh, I said, how much money do you need? I said, I'm going to need about $5,000. She said, okay. So we go to the bank. She get $5,000, and she gave it to me. In cash? In cash. And what did she do for a living? Yeah. Housekeeping. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Housekeeping. Worked as a maid. But she saved. Yeah, but she yeah, saved yeah. her money. People know how to save. Yeah, yeah. Her house paid off. Yeah. Her house was paid off since after Hurricane Andrew. So, okay. So um, she gives me $5,000. And... Uh, I started off with three employees. And then uh, two months later, I had about 15 employees. So mind you, I'm making a dollar fifty. So you do the do the math. So you figure I was getting a dollar fifty for each employee. So dollar fifty. Thirty dollars? Yeah, so it's a dollar fifty times fifteen. They gave me $22. Okay? So that's $22.50 right there. Okay. After I done paid everybody, so that's $22.50 per hour. So you time that, you time that eight hours. 
That's $180. And like, how long does it take to get to that? Like, no, so you figure, like, you figure, okay, $1.50. That's what you're making from each employee. Right, okay. I was making $1.50. Or working but, eight hours. But, but I had. Oh, so that, that was everyday type stuff? Yeah, no, I was making for, for one hour, for, for, for eight hours, not for eight hours, for one hour. Okay, $1.50. So, I was making $1.50 for each one hour that they were there. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so you figure I was making times time, time 15, they gave me $22. Times eight hours. Times eight hours. So for that whole day, that's $108. I was making $108 that's cool. for that whole day. So you time that, you time that by seven. Seven days a week, yeah. Seven days a week. So they gave me $1,260. Okay, yeah, that's, Which, cool. that's cool. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. One thousand two, and then you time that, you time that um, by four. That's five thousand dollars. So per month, huh? Per month. So six months. So within two two months, I was making five thousand dollars. That's just by helping someone find a job, not yeah, even yeah. doing anything. Not doing anything. Yeah, so great. I didn't. So basically, what this was, this is residual income. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So wait, wait, can you define that real quick? Because I know what residual, yeah, yeah, I want to well, hear from residual you. Residual income is being able to create something and you're making money. Yeah, yeah, You're making money without being there. Without being there. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I've learned that, but also I didn't mention this. I also have some inspirational people that I listen to. I've been listening to Let me know, let me know. Les Brown. I don't know if you ever heard of Les no, Brown. No. You need to check Les Brown out. No, I'll check him out. Les Brown is one of my that's like one of my motivations. Okay. I, I mean I've been listening to this guy since the 90s. Okay. You know what I mean? Tony Robinson? Uh-huh. Tony, Tony Robinson? Yes. Okay. That's another person. Gary um, Vee? I, I listen to Gary Vee, but I'm not really on him like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, and then also I like, uh, I like to read. You know, yeah. I like to read a lot. You okay. know what I mean? Uh, okay. So, uh, then uh, you ever? I don't know if you ever heard of Rich Dad. Poor yeah, dad. I read, I'm not read about that. Right so, so you know, you yeah, know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so all those other things over the years, you yeah. know, what I mean, the experience that I had, you know, the bad experience that I had as far as business and believing in someone's going to be able to deliver, yeah. and they were able to deliver. So, eventually, I'm making about five thousand dollars a month. From the from the uh, from uh, the company, you know, uh, Chicolage, the contract yeah. with Chicolage. Okay, so and then it went from fifteen, it went to about like twenty employees. So now it went from about five thousand to about roughly about like eight thousand. Working with one company. Yeah, working with one company. And now I'm building a a, a, a brand. Right. I'm building reaching solution. Yeah. So now Chicolage, they're like, man, where are you guys getting your employees from? Oh, Reach a Solution. You know, they're a staffing company down in Homestead. Pierre is very reliable, you know, very good workers. I haven't had any issues with them. And then the thing that I did, typically not a staffing company, the way a staffing company usually do, you know, when they hire someone, they keep that person for like a year or so, and then they give you an option to buy them out. But I gave them an option for six months. After six months, if they wanted to buy that person out, they can buy them out. I had no problem with it because I realized I was providing... Uh, a, a service, but also I also realized that I could not 
provide these people insurance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. So, so I wanted no to be fair. You know what I mean? No, no benefit, benefit. A job with no benefit. You know, so I just thought it was yeah. fair. So yeah. I figured, you know what? And these are older people. Right. So I figured the range it ranged from it ranged from about thirty to about like fifty five. My age group. Yeah. Yeah. They were reliable. They, they were reliable. Pay. Exactly. Yeah. So. And also, like I said, I realized that I couldn't offer insurance. No, 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 it's fine. Keep talking. I, I was just, I was just turning on my podcast because I wanted to hear you talk and then say what you have to say. Uh, you're fine. You're fine. But, um, yeah, it's definitely a change. Uh, me personally, because I, I haven't even had this guy when they admitted. Uh, I started with a 10x rule, but before that, other, you know, self growth. There's yeah. plenty out there that. Is real estate the only business you're in? Huh? Is real estate the only business you're into? If it is, yeah. when I started. Yeah, uh, but like, are there more business that you're doing or just real estate? Well, I'm personally just doing the real estate and I'm interested in the real estate investing, but I'm also getting some programs for e-commerce for my son to oh, have some kind of direction other than just sitting and playing video game all day and not doing anything. So. And you know something about e-commerce, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like one or two? Oh, yeah. Do you want to go enough? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's pretty cool. That's in my business. Yeah. Right. I'm guessing you're in the same thing? Yeah. yeah. That's the same spot. They're pilots, but they're underpowered. Oh, really? Fly planes? Yeah. He's actually a pilot. Oh, actually, I'm a pilot. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> 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 Great minds are connected. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so enjoy the show. Okay. Um, my aunt just told me about this. Oh, so you just came? I actually went through the school route. Okay. Graduated. It's not the same. Really? Hey, tell me about that, because I'm a freshman in college right now, and how's it like? like, what's, like what's um, it's like any job. You just get a higher salary, you're considered a professional, but you still got to work for someone else under their hours, their rules, their guidelines. So you're a college graduate telling me Yeah. That. <laughs> so it's better talking to someone who's experienced it. I mean, but it's still easier. Yeah. You get a job faster than starting your own business. Right. Just don't but for me to see growth, I don't want to wait 15 years. Right. I want to do it. You know, yeah, you wanna, yeah. I want to retire by yeah. 30. How old are you? 29. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I can, I can yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> I want to retire by 30. Yeah. 10x goal right there. Yeah. Let's <laughs> go. Right. So, what are you guys doing now? Just taking pictures? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finding food. I know, I'm hungry. I don't know if anybody else, but I'm always hungry. Hey! What's up? Seeing you, and it's going on, man. It's a year, man. Yeah? Thank you, sir. It's the great place for you to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It's going to be a great event here. Yeah, it's going to be great. When'd you get in? I've been here since. Okay. I just, I'm from Canada. I was like, fuck the cold. <laughs> 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 yeah. 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 yeah, it's yeah. super cold up there. All my friends are like, yeah, I'm in Miami. Yeah. Like, sucks. I gotta wear a sweater today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's kind of hot now. Seriously, we're just coming from New York. That's yeah. yeah I, I used, actually, my my before I got into doing running my own business, like I well, I was still a contractor, but I worked in the oil field, northern Canada, 12, 14 hours a day. Minus 30, 40, 50 all day long. Oh, yeah. 
This is my first winter. I've never. I'm not in Canada. I don't think I'm ever doing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. Well, I'm leaving here, and we're going to Dominican for a month. Oh, that's Ooh. where you're from. Oh, nice. Where are you going to? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Huh? Where to? No, we're going. So we're going to the one that we got a five bedroom villa. Yeah. Between yeah. four of us. It's like twenty four hundred for the month, yeah. so six hundred bucks each for yeah. the month. Yeah, it's and we're cheap, like three yeah. blocks from the beach. And the food, where did you eat the food? Oh man. Did I like seafood? I like everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we're moving, we're going there, and then my buddy's girlfriend, her parents are rich. They got a they got a nine bedroom mansion in the mountains in BC in Canada. Oh, so it'll be March, okay. so it'll be like the El Nino, so it's, it's warm. It's like only minus five Celsius. So, <laughs> yeah. No, like, no, that's warm for winter, I mean. Like, Why? warm for winter. But we're going to go Why there and go snowboarding. Yeah. Oh, so oh, yeah, yes. yeah yes, in the mountains, yes. in the resort. We're just like go... one week and then just stay again. Yeah, we're going to go for a couple weeks and then what? I think I'm going to go. Well, we're going to be inside. Well, we're going to be inside. That's why your skin is so good because you're like frozen in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we're going to be doing that. Like, we're literally just working online and traveling together as a group. That's you know what I mean? Uh, there's two of us from Canada, my buddy from Wisconsin, my other buddy from the UK. And we're all girl. So the other two are on the way here now, but the one guy's fl- everybody's flight's getting canceled. Yeah. Wow. Like, I got three oh, friends. Yeah, I, heard about that. I heard about that. Like Chicago yeah. is like yeah, Chicago's going crazy. Shut down. Yeah. Shut down. Oh, that's the New York is signed. Uh, you guys came just on time. Yeah. Yeah. That's what everyone said to us when we flying. They said you're lucky because you're probably a couple of hours. It's on. Oh my goodness. So crushing out of e-commerce. Yeah, man, it's fun too. I know. I think I gotta get something on the side with that now. Yeah. What do you do now? I run, I do uh, digital marketing agency, but we sell high ticket items. I mainly focus on stuff that's five thousand upwards to eighty thousand dollars for the items. So like kitchen remodels, bolts, uh, pool builders, um, all kinds of stuff. Really, like I don't know, I've got work with cosmetic surgeons, like whatever. Which is a new niche that I haven't done. I'll spend two days doing research, and then within that time, I should have my copy written out and have my advertisement up and running. Oh. This should catch up with if you haven't already, man, and then. I have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually already talking with her to get us some events. Check this out, brother. She's the one that Golden does tickets, your transition. Right? Golden tickets. Golden tickets. Water. 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 Yeah, I can get you real estate leads too. Probably. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like Actually, I work with real. Yeah, I can set you up a page for your listing, and I have a chatbot set up, and I can drive traffic to the chatbot. And Seriously? Qualify them for you. Do you have an Instagram? Yeah, they're bro? pre-qualified. Yeah, I do. Billy Bat. Can, can I follow you guys on Instagram? All of you? Yeah, can yeah. I follow you? All right, cool. Yeah, yeah but cool. I recommend shooting me and shoot me an email, okay. and let me know your name and what you do, and okay. then. Because it's gonna get hectic here. Yeah. So I'm gonna be doing a whole yeah. lot of follow up. And yeah. a whole lot of Pretty people. Sure in yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I can type it in. I need to take your photo with it, so I remember it's you. So okay. Cool. <laughs> this is something I do. I make too much people, and then I'm like, wait, what? What was the person I really like? I cannot make it without. Yeah, you really like it. That's nice. Really bad official. Yeah. You've already got your man. Right. Yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. Same team. Yeah, you guys remember, are like, partners the in the e-commerce yeah, yeah. yeah, that's something I gotta get into. They don't have a photo. Yeah, yeah, like, 
you're already halfway there, you get the mop being solid. Yeah, I just need to give you guys a holler. Okay, I need to get you to make a target or something. I have a little bit of like knowledge from my friends, but I haven't really fully done it. I feel like it's something I need to get into. Yeah, it's the future. Yeah, it is. Well, yeah. It's the present. It's the present about to take like soon. 7 Eleven's going out of business. Let's be honest. Seriously? Yeah. Well, hey, you, you guys know, so, you, do you speak with contract, residential contractors? Oh, yeah, we have, have some, yeah. They have Spanish way of doing the shutdown. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what I can do is I can set it up and I can give you the phrases. You guys can try and translate it. Or I can even Google and type it in the translator. No, that Google sometimes gets funny translated. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> what I can do is I can I can get that.